People of God, we look together in God's word in Romans chapter 4. Romans chapter 4. We'll read together verses 1 through 17. And we'll have particular focus on Romans 4, 11 and 12. Romans chapter 4. People of God, hear the word of the Lord. What then shall we say was gained by Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh? For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. Now to the one who works, his wages are not counted as a gift, but his due. And to the one who does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. Just as David also speaks of the blessing of the one to whom God counts righteousness apart from works. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord will not count his sin. Is this blessing then only for the circumcised or also for the uncircumcised? For we say that faith was counted to Abraham as righteousness. How then was it counted to him? Was it before or after he had been circumcised. It was not after, but before he was circumcised. He received the sign of circumcision as a seal of the righteousness that he had by faith while he was still uncircumcised. The purpose was to make him the father of all who believe without being circumcised, so that righteousness would be counted to them as well. And to make him the father of the circumcised, who are not merely circumcised, but also who walk according, who walk in the footsteps of the faith of our father Abraham had before he was circumcised. For the promise to Abraham and his offspring that he would be heir of the world did not come through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. For it is the adherents of the law who are to be heir, the heirs for if it is the adherents of the law who are to be heirs, faith is null and the promise is void. For the law brings wrath, but where there is no law, there is no righteousness. That is why it depends on faith, in order that the promise may rest on grace and be guaranteed to all his offspring, not only to the adherent of the law, but also to the one who shares the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all, as it is written, I have made you the father of many nations in the presence of the God in whom he believed, who gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist. In hope he believed against hope that he should become the father of many nations as he had been told, so shall your offspring be. Well, people of God, that word from God's word. We look at God's signs and seals of justification this morning. Uh, we do that uh, for a number of reasons in this text, as the text will highlight the 
the sign and seal of the righteousness of faith. And that sign and seal, you might think, uh, would be about baptism, and it really is, uh, but it's about circumcision in the text because it's applying it to Abraham. This is the visible sign and seal. Circumcision, that blood sacrament of the Old Testament uh, that pointed to the cross of Christ. Baptism, uh, that is all about the cross of Christ. Baptism, that which replaces circumcision. Though, uh, and so we will look Uh, and remind ourselves of the heart of the gospel, which is the righteousness of faith, and remind ourselves of the administration of the sacrament as it signs and seals that gospel promise, circumcision, Old Testament, baptism, New Testament. I find this to be a chapter in the Bible that is one of the strongest evidences of and strongest arguments for infant baptism. It counters, so if you ever have a friend who talks about, uh, you know, that the Bible doesn't talk about infant baptism, uh, you might go to Romans 4 and be reminded of this sermon. Second, uh, we see that the administration, and this is a critical point, the administration of, the, of circumcision in the Old Testament is exactly the same as the administration for baptism in the New Testament. And so we will point that out as well. Reminding ourselves that these sacraments are certainly different in their visible uh, sign and seal, uh, because one is Baptism, a non-bloody sacrament, which is all the sacraments of the New Testament. You read the book of Hebrews and it'll say, the blood sacrifices are over and done. We don't have them anymore. The blood sacrament. But they both point to the exact same thing. And we'll see that close relationship, Lord willing, in the next few minutes. But I set before you one other point. It's, uh, one, and that is, that the word circumcision and the word baptism have opposite meanings, but they focus on the same thing. The word circumcise means to cut off. The word baptize means to unite with. Baptism, uh, in its fundamental meaning, is to merge together, which is the opposite of circumcision. But they both are pointing to the death of Christ and the consequences of that death for the people of God. They both sign and seal the righteousness of faith. So first we look at what is signed and sealed, and then we look at the administration of the sacrament. First, the promise of righteousness is what is signed and sealed in circumcision and baptism. The promise of righteousness. Uh, That is 
declared in verse 11 specifically in he received the sign of circumcision as a seal of the righteousness that he had by faith while he was still uncircumcised. You might note that this is the verse in Scripture that we get our language of the sacraments, signs and seals. This is the verse that puts those two words together in connection with a sacrament, Old Testament circumcision. But it's the same word we use for sacraments in the New Testament. Signs and seals. And what was it a sign and seal of? The righteousness of faith. And what is the focus? There's a focus on the word righteousness of faith, that phrase, but it's in the context of this, the removal of sin. We sang about the removal of sin in all the songs that we came to this text this morning. The removal of sin, which is absolutely foundational to being having a righteousness of faith. It's absolutely essential. The, the text ties it together. It says it's a righteousness of faith, and then it talks over and over again about how our sin is removed. Verse 7, lawless deeds are forgiven. Verse 7, sins are forgiven. Verse 8, sin is not imputed. It reminds us of that text in 1 John chapter 2, verse 12, where we hear this word to the church of Jesus Christ, which includes the children. I write, you, uh, write unto you, little children, because your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake. That forgiveness of sins that we want to teach our children, that we need to be reminded of daily as the people of God, that glorious save, saving grace of our God. Your sin is removed. It is separated from you. As the flesh of the foreskin would be separated and cut off and Christ, by his shed blood, cuts, removes, and separates sin from the people of God. And we want every person to know of that glorious promise. And circumcision was all about that promise. Colossians chapter 2, 9 through 12. Uh, declares that this way. For in him that is in Christ, the whole fullness of the deity dwells, and you have been filled in him who is the head of all rule and authority. In him also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands, although circumcision points to and is a sign and seal of the reality of this verse, what this verse is saying. By putting off the body of the flesh, by the circumcision of Christ, which is his death, having been buried with him in baptism, baptism is his death, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. Circumcision, baptism, connected to the death of Christ, and the removal of sin. And so, we look to that one who forgives our sin. Acts 
uh, chapter 22, verse 16, uh, declares the, the word of God and the gospel is declared this way. And now, why are you waiting? Arise, be baptized, and wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. That, that removal of sin intrinsically connected to Christ's death, which I've had never sermon called the baptism of Jesus, the circumcision of Jesus, and points just, just so directly how that is the death of Christ. It's his baptism is his death. His circumcision is his death. And because of that death, our sin is removed, but not just the removal of sin. And the phrase in our text points that out. It's not just uh, the sign and seal of the removal of sin. That's an essential part. It's the sign and seal of a righteousness of faith. A righteousness of faith. And righteousness is more than the removal of sin. I always use this illustration, and I like this. In the uh, modern era, we don't have blackboards. We have whiteboards, right? We have whiteboards. And the whiteboard is white. And you think of white, you think of being clean. And so I smear the board with a black marker, and I said, that's our sin. And I said, and Christ removes it. And so we take it and we remove it. I said, now we have a white, a totally blank white board, but that's not righteousness. Righteousness isn't a blank white slate. Righteousness is filled with perfect works. Righteousness is to be, is to stand before God as uh, uh, perfectly obedient. That's righteous. Righteousness is perfect obedience. And so the sign and seal of a righteousness of faith is contrasting that to anyone who thinks they can have a righteousness by the law. We don't attain righteousness through the law. Righteousness is a gift from God. And that's why Romans uh, chapter 4, which is focusing on the meaning of circumcision and its administration, Romans chapter 4 just brings over and over again this phrase righteousness of faith and a righteousness apart from the law, which is, of course, the whole, one of the great themes of the book of Romans. It is a righteousness that is not based on man's works. And we can see that over and over again in our text, verse 5. And, not, and to the one who does not work, but believes in him who justifies. And, and we know, people of God, that the word justify means to be declared righteous. And the word justified means to have your sins removed and to have righteousness given to you. So the Heidelberg Catechism would remind us that that justification, the significance and the heart of the meaning is that God looks at us as if we had never sinned nor been a sinner, removal of sin, and as if we were as perfectly obedient as Christ was obedient for us, the imputation, the giving, the granting, the crediting of the righteousness of Christ to our account, and God declares us in justification 
as if we had never sinned or been a sinner and as if we're perfectly obedient as Christ is obedient for us. It was counted as righteous. And so David, uh, so the quote is from David, to whom God counts righteousness apart from works. And then they're quoted, the removal of sin. And then it, and then it focuses the text and, and Romans over and over how we are then clothed with the righteousness of Christ. It's imparted, it's imputed, it's given, it's received by God's sovereign hand upon us. And just as circumcision and baptism have nothing to do with the individual, even in their signs, the signs themselves are what is done to us. It's not what we do. It is the sign and seal of justification of a righteousness that comes by faith, not of works. And so it's declared over and over again. Romans 3, at 21, will declare it this way. 3, verse 21. But now... The righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe, for there is no distinction. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation, as that one who bore the wrath of God by his blood to be reconciled by faith. So now we have this right relationship with God because we are righteous before him, the righteousness of faith. There is almost no group who declare themselves Baptist, who believe that circumcision is a sign and seal of the righteousness of faith. They just want to ignore that. They, they don't want to deal with that. And Romans 4 is the commentary of the Bible on Old Testament circumcision. It's the commentary. It, it's the, the clear declaration of what it means. We have been saved by grace. We have been freely forgiven. We have been clothed with the righteousness of Christ. Isaiah 61, verse 10. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall exult in my God, for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom decks himself like a priest with a beautiful headdress, and as a bride adorns herself with jewels. Christ adorned God in Christ, adorns us with the righteousness of Christ and removes all filth from our lives. But we need to grow in the grace and knowledge day by day. That's sanctification. But we're looking at the sacrament of justification, which is circumcision, which is baptism. Sacraments, one completed, one full. Scripture emphasizing both. You just might note that uh, circumcision may 
you may think it has a bad rap in the New Testament, but it actually is spoken positively far more often than it's spoken negatively. It's spoken negatively when one trusts in the circumcision to save them or one trusts in baptism to save you. That is condemned. But as the sign of the righteousness of faith, circumcision is exalted and baptism is exalted. So who and how should we baptize and circumcise? What's the pattern? What is the pattern? There are those, maybe you may think, you know, we are not really, we don't really believe in adult baptism. Well, I'm going to say, people of God, we believe in adult baptism. We believe in adult circumcision. We believe that. That's the pattern of Scripture. Adult circumcision is the pattern that God gives us in in, in Romans chapter 4. And it gives us the pattern for infant baptism and infant circumcision. It says both, depending on the circumstance. So we do not deny what Paul declared in Acts. Repent, believe, and be baptized. We don't deny that pattern. We think that's a good and godly pattern in the context of preaching the gospel to those who, are, who have never received the promises of the covenant in the context of the people of God. To those who are not Christian. Not the people of God. And who's the prime example of one who wasn't a man of God? Who wasn't a believer? Who wasn't a Christian? And then heard the word, believed the word, and was circumcised. His name is Abraham. He's the prime example of adult baptism. Adult circumcision. And Genesis uh, just gives us uh, that, uh, that pattern. I won't go through all the text, but Genesis 12, 1 through 4, is the proclamation of the gospel to Abraham. When he was 75 years old, about. He was 75. And before he was 75, he was living in a godless society, in a God-rejecting culture. And it was at that moment that God came to him and spoke to him and gave him the promise. The promise of being a great nation, of having a great name, the promise of being a blessing. (coughs) The promise of protection. (coughs) Genesis 15. The promise of a seed of having a child. In Genesis uh, 15, after that promise came the glorious promise of salvation by grace alone and the saving work of God. We can't go into all the details of that, but that was uh, when uh, the sun went down, Genesis 15, 17, and, and the fiery pot went between the two cut pieces. Our... Departed Brother Sproul said that's his favorite text in the Old Testament. Uh, The heart of the gospel in the Old Testament. 
uh, that declaration that the sacrifice of Christ as, as being split in two and who walks between them. Well, you were supposed to have both parties of the covenant walk, but only God walked between them because he bore the consequences of our sin. Through the atoning sacrifice of his son, the cut pieces. The word cut means to make a covenant, actually, as well. It's a play on words. To cut means to cut a covenant. And so God, in his grace, came to Abraham. And Abraham believed the promise, 15 verse 6. That first declaration of the promises. And what was the the, the culminating point? It is that point through which Luther embraced and through the proclamation of the gospel. It's not by works of the law, but it's belief in the promise. And Genesis 15, 6, and he believed in the Lord and it counted, and he counted it to him for righteousness. The righteousness of faith, the righteousness that embraces all the truth by faith. A faith which itself is a gift of God, but a faith through which we experience and receive that which God promises. And it wasn't until Genesis 17 that he received the sign and the seal of that promise. So it was a progression. He didn't get the promise right away. Well, actually nobody had, because that's the first time it was given. But Abraham was circumcised as an adult. But it follows the pattern of Acts in evangelism. Repent, believe, and be baptized. Repent, believe, and be circumcised. It's the same pattern. And so Romans... Uh, Chapter 4, beginning with verse 20, Romans 4, verse 20, that's what that, that declaration is. It says that because of what happened, that Abraham is the father of the uncircumcised or the unbaptized. He's the father of the uncircumcised. Now, uh, 4 verse 20. No unbelief makes him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith and gave glory to God, fully convinced God was able to do what he had promised. That is why his faith was counted to him as righteousness. But the words it was counted to him were not written for his sake alone, but for ours. It It will be counted to us who believe in him, who raised from the dead Jesus our Lord, who was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. So Abraham is the father of the uncircumcised. He's the father of the unbaptized to all who believe and then are baptized. So the text makes a distinction between Two groups of people in the world. The circumcised, verse 10, before he was circumcised, but it's the uncircumcised and the circumcised. That's the two groups. And in one sense, we can divide the world between the unbaptized and the baptized. It's the same pattern. Children receive the sign of the promise of the right sign and seal of the righteousness of faith. Baptism is a sign and seal of the righteousness of faith. 
Well, you say, well, they don't have any faith, so they shouldn't get it. And I would say, if that's your argument, God made a mistake in the Old Testament because the Old Testament children received the sign and seal of the righteousness of faith. Why did they receive the sign and seal of a righteousness of faith? But we can't receive the sign of righteousness of faith. See, it makes no sense. Baptism is a sign and a seal of the righteousness of faith. That's why you children, you've been baptized. I suspect that every one of you children here this morning have been baptized. And you were baptized, right? Probably right up here. Maybe some of you were baptized in a different church. You were baptized and the water was sprinkled upon you, which is actually the best way to do it, mode, but that's another sermon. And, And it was sprinkled upon you And you were baptized into the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And right now, God says to you, believe your sins are forgiven. That baptism signs and seals this promise. Your sin is forgiven in Christ. And you are called to believe that. I hope you're six years old, you believe that. And you're 12 years old, you believe that. And when you're 16, that that belief in the promise has been tested and tried, and now you're coming, either then, little after, little before, professing that to the world, I believe in the sign and seal that was given to me. I believe in a righteousness that comes by faith. I believe Jesus died for me. That's what God is calling us. And Isaac was baptized at eight, or was circumcised at eight days old. And so, Abraham is the father of the uncircumcised, verse 12. And to make him the father of the circumcised, he's also the father of the circumcised. Because the circumcised, the baptized, who profess their faith, declare that they are walking in the footsteps of the faith of our father Abraham. And so circumcision is given before profession of faith to the children of believers, just like Abraham's children were circumcised. It's the same pattern. It doesn't destroy the gospel. It doesn't change the gospel. It's a sign and seal of the righteousness of faith. Acts 2.39, For the promises to you and to your children, to, to all who are far off, even as many as the Lord our God will call, One, the call goes to the uncircumcised and the unbaptized with this pattern. Repent, believe, and then be baptized, just like circumcision. And the promise comes to the children of the covenant, the children of believers. Be baptized. Embrace the sign and seal of righteousness proclaimed, signed and sealed in that baptism Embrace it by faith and profess your faith. It's a different pattern, 
but focusing on the same gospel, teaching the promise to the baptized is now our responsibility as the people of God in the context of the church and the home and the school, in a context in which a culture will be radically different. They will have a different gospel to all who have never heard, to all who may have rejected. The call goes out, hear the word, believe the word, Be baptized. To all believing parents and to all children who have already received the sign of the promise of baptism, you have been baptized. Hear the word, believe the word, profess the promise of the forgiveness of sins and the imputation of righteousness found in Christ alone. Amen. Gracious God and Heavenly Father, we ask, O God, that you may not have us believe that baptism is an empty ritual, but may we see that it is a sign and seal of the righteousness of faith tied to justification, tied to the death of Christ. Father, may Each one here profess that, rejoice in it, all the baptized here. And if there be unbaptized, may they hear the word, believe the word, and be baptized as a sign and a seal of the righteousness of faith that comes through all that Christ does for us. O God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we give you all the praise, honor, and glory, and we pray and we live and exist in the name of Jesus. Amen.